0: I'm a free black man Hold up my head, black man Beautiful black man I don't dare feel nice, man I love your brother, black man Then chase your dreams, black man And get that cream, black man with the original man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native Son I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman A Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur And aspiring author who enjoys Thought-provoking and engaging dialogue About race, culture, culture and business. It feels good to be back on the pod after a bit of a break. I've taken the last few months to do some reading, get ahead on my interviews, and get refocused. I'm excited about this podcast and the opportunity to continue creating engaging content for all of you. We are now officially in season two of Confessions of a Native Son. To help me kick things off, I invited on the show a good friend of mine and fellow entrepreneur, Yusef Henriquez, co-founder and chief executive officer of True Genomics, a precision genomics company developing solutions for post-traumatic stress disorder in veterans. As a former combat medic, Youssef's personally witnessed the wreckage of the invisible wounds of war and their effects on military service members and those around them. At True Genomics, Youssef and his team are studying the effects of trauma and how it can actually alter a human's DNA. His research has profound implications, not only for veterans, but also for the black community and the hundreds of years of generational trauma passed down through the human genome. Like me, Youssef has a deep love for black people. Although originally from Jamaica, after leaving the military, Youssef attended Howard University where he studied biochemistry. He went on to earn a master's in public health from John Hopkins University. And although veterans are the primary focus of his research, he's also studying the effects of racism within the U.S. healthcare system. He's well-versed in science and history. And we have a great discussion about the challenges black Americans face from a public health perspective the effects of PTSD within the Black community, and how our elders have been right all along. As always, I truly appreciate you sharing your time with me, and I hope you enjoy today's show. And we are live. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the legendary Confessions of a Native Son, I'm your host, the one and only Iron Mike Steadman, sitting here today with my brother from another mother, Mr. Youssef Henriquez, a fellow veteran, tech entrepreneur, and someone who's really trying to change the game around mental health and hacking racism within the black community. What's going on, Yusuf? Welcome to the show. Yeah, Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Good good to see you, it's been a while. I know, man, He's it's funny. We've been going back and forth for almost a year talking about uh, trying to get him on the platform but uh, we've both just kind of been busy and scheduled and everything. So I'm super excited to have you here today. Why, why don't you take a moment and just introduce yourself to our audience and let them know some of the exciting stuff you're working on? Yeah, Yusuf Enriquez,
1: um, prior military, US Army, as a medic and a military combat medic, uh, originally from Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, came here high school and uh, joint military at 17. Um, Left military due to injuries and uh, studied at Howard University, HU, and, uh, you know, got into the medical device space working for the federal government, FDA, and uh, that led me into working with the Department of Veteran Affairs where my background helped uh, look at PTSD from a genetic level. So in 2013, the DOD and the VA thought 21 suicides was too many and uh, put about a hundred million dollars in there. And I was one of the research scientists that went over to see oversee about a 25, 30 million dollar research uh, funding to NYU, Columbia and uh, Mount Sinai. We ended up developing a patent in 2016 and I felt like it was my call in to take that on the commercialization standpoint. And uh, so I left the government after almost 20 years of military and federal service to commercialize. What we now have is a, a blood test that looks at your predisposition to PTSD. So it doesn't diagnose it, but it looks at individual genetic makeup to see who would have that high uh, predisposition, and then you know we'll be able to triage certain individuals that get exposed to trauma. Um, COVID happened. That test is now being um, uh, uh, considered to be used as a clinical trial at the VA. And uh, my my new project that I'm working on now, uh, the COVID that hit our our African-American community and minority communities, I started developing a, um, a, a test for COVID and other pathogen detection for the U.S. military,
0: which is our special force medics. Man, that's amazing. And uh, you're like a uh, what's a superhero that's like a doctor? You know, you're like the black doctor superhero. <laughs> right. I don't know if they came up with one yet. We have to work yeah. that out. Let's <laughs> tell our audience what you studied at Howard.
1: Yeah, I studied biochemistry. Um, you know, my background being a medic, I've been in healthcare my whole life. I was that little black Doogie Howser. I probably that's as close as you get to it. I, I was an avid um Watcher of Doogie Hauser back in the the 80s and, and 90s when I was growing up in in Kingston Jamaica we only had one channel but uh yeah study biochemistry which kind of got into research in bioterrorism um, chemical weapon detection so some of the positions that I've held is at uh, Fort Belvoir Ditro as a government contractor looking at you know
0: bio bioterrorism um, now this, you know, it makes sense to me as a veteran, but I want you to explain it to our audience. Why are you so passionate about veteran suicide? Man, you know, um, so that changed my whole life about,
1: uh, you know, been been in service, been in combat, and, you know, and kind of left it in the battlefield. Came home, had kids and um, 2012, you know, had this idea that I was gonna be working for the government for 30 years. Um, and my kids after care provider, which was a Marine, Mike, Mike um, was my kid's camp director in the summer. And during the year, he was the after-school provider. And uh, Mike decided uh, to check out one day in uh, September 18, 2012. Yeah. And, uh, that, that touched me, you know, close to home because I had three daughters at, at that elementary school. And, you know, I'm glad Mike loved kids. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, he decided to take his life due to uh, PTSD that he was struggling with. And uh, from that day, I made a commitment. I found out that it was 21. I think then it was 22 suicides a day. Yep. And I did not know it was that many per day. That's almost one an hour. Yep. Uh, and I said, well, I gotta figure something out. You know, as a medic, we, we run towards the situation and figure out a solution. And that's, you know, I self-studied um, genomics and try to look at the genes that get affected when you go through that, that fight or flight. And I was able to identify some genes and, you know, again, call it a uh, divine intervention or I, it was my call in the DOD called me and the VA, selected me to be one of the researchers to oversee that pot of money. And, um, man, it's, uh, you know, that's that's what's driving me since 2012. That what gets me up every day, um, because every day I'm trying to get that 21 that's down to 21 now. I'm trying to get it to zero before I leave this earth.
0: Yeah, man, that's super noble, man. I'm super proud of you. You know, like I said, me and him move within the veteran entrepreneurial community. And it's amazing to see how far we've both come in such a short amount of time. But y'all don't know how hard we have to hustle out here. Let them know. When I saw you, I was like, man, fund this brother, please. Like, <laughs> What are y'all waiting on? You know, he got the credentials, you know, got the background, been in the fight. He's a veteran. And I'm watching stuff like the Fire Festival. Dude's giving my man $30 million to, to host a festival at the Bahamas. We out here trying to save lives,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, It's uh, it's been tough. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things why this this year MIT reached out with the George, George Floyd stuff going on, asked me if I wanted to be interested in hacking racism and healthcare. I said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, to your point, you know, um, along with the disparities that's faced in our community, um, there's, you know, there's a lack of funding African American founders, you know, it take, took me 30 months to raise 2 million. Um, I was named top 10 company to watch in 2018. And nine of the companies out of that 10 companies that were highlighted have raised at least 15 to 20 million since then. I've only raised two for True Genomics, which is a, a test that could help start looking at individuals that have that the possibility of, you know, developing PTSD and had suicide. Um, it's not Pokemon Go. Yeah, you know, and, and like you said it's not some fire festival out in the Bahamas it's not sexy enough um, and you know my ROI has been always life because I'm a medic you know, I'm always going to choose life over anything else uh, but it's been tough out here you know that as well you know um, just we just don't get the traction even with the credentials um, and you know I've checked off all the
0: other box so I'm, I'm just coming to the conclusion it, it might be uh, the color of my skin Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, I think What I appreciate you said is, you know, our people and black people, because, you know, this show is called Confessions of a Native Son. And I've had to emphasize this concept of what is a native black, you know, those of us descended from slavery. And then, you know, in our pre-show, you came on and you were you were talking about how, you know, as someone who's coming from Jamaica, you didn't really understand all the 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 emotional and psychological effects racism has done to black people in this country until you start living here, really and it gave you real insight into it. So I also applaud you on that end of, cause you're like me. We also look after the veteran community, but we're also very passionate about the black community as well. And it's, you know, I think too often it's like, you gotta be for one or the other. Like you, if you're a veteran, you're like far right, you don't gotta care about black people, but it's like, no man, you know, we yeah. care for all our brothers and sisters.
1: No, absolutely, man. You know, I came here at uh, the age of what, 12, 13. So I tested into the ninth grade. I should have been in the eighth. That's why I graduated at 17. But um, growing up in Florida, a heavy Jewish community, I, I, I started be exposed to some of the, um, you know, the, the, the racial undertones of just being a minority kid growing up in a Jewish neighborhood. You know, my dad, you know, worked hard as a cab driver, you know, the, the, Busted the tail. My stepmom was a nurse, so that's where I got exposed to the healthcare side of things. But you know, they worked hard. Um, but I started seeing that intersection of being in a community where my parents were trying to get me the best education they could. Um, and that required us to move out of, you know, the traditional urban environments and move into more affluent neighborhoods. And then that's when I really started understanding and studying, you know, the way African-Americans have been treated in this country for 400 years. Now I've been here about, you know, 27, 28 years now. So I could just imagine generations and generations of this type of oppression that's been going on um, over you know 400 years. And, you know, I've definitely sh- you know, sh- shaped the way I look at things because, you know, I came in to the situation, right, and then I had to really look around and see why sometimes, you know, um, African Americans are displaying some of the, you know, the 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 oppression and the depression that they go through. It's not because it's, you know, that's what they feel like doing. It's been part of their genera- you know, offspring from generation to generation. It's been transferred from offspring to offspring, and that's that's
0: in the genes. Yeah, I'm excited to do a deep dive in it, man. Cause I, my man Yusuf here, he's such a, people are so, so much after him. He's got to get on a tech tech stars, uh, mentorship call. So I want to make sure we get some good, good gouge from him before we have to let him get out of here. But, uh, you know, that, that ties into my next confession. Um, as we, you know, d- head on to do a little deep dive, but my confession for this show is, you know, I'm a, the first time I was shot at, right. was in Afghanistan. I was either 24 or 25. Um, By the time that happened, I was a Naval Academy graduate, you know, had been a Marine infantry officer, gone through IOC infantry officer training three months, the basic school six months, did an entire workup with the uh, with my unit for a year before I was ever shot at. Okay, so 24, 25. Black kids in these inner cities, you know, they're seeing violence five, you know, sometimes earlier. You know, and they're seeing it. They're getting shot at. They're losing cousins and brothers and everything else. Right. Nobody gives them a pass in court. You know, and I'm telling you as a veteran, you know, veterans do stuff and people say, oh, it was PTSD affecting them. But I've always been bothered by the fact of, you know, nobody gives these kids in the inner city any kind of pass around this stuff. What does it mean when you grew up around violence, when you see it every day, when you experience it and you're not trained to deal with it? Your schools aren't 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 built to deal with it. You know, so then these kids are heading into the fucking real world already messed up. You know, it don't even get me on the abuse that goes on at home, particularly for young women. You know, but um, these are all women in the world, but particularly in these projects and all this kind of stuff. You know, so um, I've always been I've become more self-aware that PTSD is very much focused on the veteran community and that people don't really give it a pass within the black uh, community. Uh, yeah,
1: no, look, man, it it's, it's, man, it's layers on layers. As I just mentioned, we're talking about ancestry, how we were brought to this country. So that's already in, embedded in, in some of our DNA, right? Just that voyage across, <laughs> uh, across the world from Africa to here. So, you know, what we're starting to see is the research and the science is catching up to show that that's already something that's been um, studied and well-identified in other populations like the Jewish community. Yep. So, you know, this transfer of, of trauma from offspring to offspring is a real thing. And so I worked with Rachel Yehuda, who is the vice chair of psychiatry at Mount Sinai, one of the leading researchers in a first, second, and third generation Holocaust survivor. So I started realizing like, well, what about the transatlantic slave trade? If, if, if it was good for the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. No, you <laughs> that good for the? <laughs> what's that? Why is it not good for the transatlantic slave trade? And so I spent about a year just, you know, going back and looking at, you know, the trauma that has already been in, in, you know, in our genetic pipeline as Africans and transferring here to African-Americans. And then, like you said, the inner cities. I mean, I grew up in Kingston, Jamaica, so, you know, I already had trauma at, at, eight, nine years old of gunshots like raindrops and at the nighttime, getting up in the morning, going to school in the park, and there's two or three bodies laying out. So I didn't have to go overseas in combat to see that. I, I saw that real live, in, in the, in, but that's a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a shock for me to come here and living in Miami and seeing that. I grew up, you know, you know I, as, as foreigners, we come, we localize and out of New York, right? New York, Brooklyn, which is the same thing, but I die, do or die. Yeah. Right. So you get into these communities where it's just riffed with violence and, you know, the trauma at home, um, the Hispanic population, heavy uh, rape. A lot of the, the young females that I've met in the military expressed a lot of sexual abuse. Yeah. Growing up, You know, by by relatives, relatives, someone close to them. So each community has like their own set of trauma that kind of creates these things. And, and to your point. You know, nobody really is looking at that. And so that's one of the things that, you know, as you said, I look at my veterans, but I started saying, well, this needs to be for everybody. Yep. Oh <laughs> yeah. Minority kids being shot at. I met a kid at the DC VA, uh, about two years ago. He was shot like three times. He's like 15 years old. Yep. He didn't go to Afghanistan. He's right here in Southeast and got shot three times. So you know, just think of the level of trauma that these kids are going through, and I don't think that's been focused um, enough. And I'm hoping my tests, once it's get validated in adults, we can start looking at some of the trauma that some of these. Because here's what's happening: those folks are running away from home, and guess where they're joining? They're joining the military, and so it could be where some of these things that they've already experienced the trauma. From home, and then they come in and then get exposed to being, like you said, getting shot at at 24, 25, and that triggers something, and then they start having more psychological
0: issues. And you remember, I was 24, 25 because I was an officer. I was going through officer training. They're 18, 19, so they ain't even, you know. No, nah, I mean, and so,
1: again, to your point, we need to move that down because, yeah, we're talking about there are adults at 18. But in some of these inner city, I mean, these kids are, are grown men and women at five, 10. They're taking care of other their other siblings um, while trying to protect them and trying to protect themselves. And I've heard a lot of horror stories. I mean, you know, just from, you know, the, the the female perspective, as you said, I mean, it's it's bad. It's, it's, it's bad in some of the communities where, you know, they've already been accosted and sexually assaulted two or three times.
0: Yeah. Before you give your confession, I want to make this connection too. you know, on my social media, I always talk about lifting as we climb. What we're doing, what you and I are talking about, that's the epitome of lift as we climb. Connecting these resources and all the love and blessings we get as hard as it is for us as black entrepreneurs you know we do get love from the veteran community we get free workspace incubators all that kind of stuff you know our peers that aren't serving the military they don't get none of that they're starting with scratch you know so for us they you know you raising 2 million that is such an amazing feat you know for a lot of these founders out here they get you know 500 dollars in seed funding 1000 dollars in seed funding so it's 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 powerful what we're doing and this is a message I want to spread which is another reason I, I do this platform. So now I'm going to ask you to give a confession. You know what's something you've been uh struggling with in terms of, you know, it could be personal, it could be professional or whatever.
1: Um you know man, look, I've I you know and I've said this before which is probably why you see me have this stop soldier suicide when, when I lost Mike, um I went through my own trauma. Yeah, know, a lot of that being a medic. You know, I've, I've taken care of the wounded. You know, I've worked in some of the top medical, Brook Army Medical Center. I've seen level one trauma come through. So, um, you know, I, I had a break myself um, in 2017 where, you know, I had to go and seek help for the first time. You know, I had to raise kids. I have, you know, twin daughters that I had full custody of at seven. So I didn't have time to go, you know, sit on a chair and talk to a doctor. Um, but it came to a point 2017 where, you know, something had to be done. And so, you know, being that I'm a scientist and a researcher, so I had to be a, a student of my own game. And, uh, yeah, I actually an, ended up, uh, checking into the, the Washington DC VA. Uh, I went through the, the SAR program, the substance abuse, um, recovery program. And it was cause have been on pain medication for my whole military since 17.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, you know, um, as you know, those those heavy pain medications, 800 Motrin, Vitamin M's, yeah. you know, the Percocets, um, you know, that over time became a big issue for me because I needed it to get through the day because I was in so much pain. And so um, for me, yeah, I ended up uh, have to get off those the, the, the medication because that's another thing people don't think about is that a lot of military guys, we've been on these medication since we were 17 years old. We're now 30, 40 years old. That's that's what we've known. And so, you know, becomes starts getting problematic because genetically some of these medications are not for us because we're not in the drug trials.
0: That's a good point, man. I want to thank you for sharing that. I know it's not always easy sharing it to a bunch of people you don't know, but, uh, you know, one of the show on the show, you know, we are very open and honest with people. And so uh, have a little empathy. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor so we can do a deep dive into today's discussion but uh, I want to give a shout out to Dope Coffee, a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Be sure to head over to RealDopeCoffee.com, place your order and show Mike Lloyd and his team some love. I also need you all to head over to ConfessionsOfAnativeSon.com sign up for our newsletter. And if you're interested in having me speak at your organization, you can click the link on our website and someone from my team will get back to you. All right, back into the back into the show. All right, man, uh, the theme of today's show is hacking racism and PTSD within the black community. And I'm excited you're here today because I wanna hear your scientific uh, perspective on this. And you know, I'm a history guy, right? So I read a lot, African-American history, got my master's in American studies, And as I start to do a little bit of a, uh, I keep using this word deep dive, but really just going and understanding black history, a lot of times black history talks about our ancestors and how they communicate with us, you know? And sometimes we think it's like hokey pokey, you know, that kind of feeling. But when you look at, you know, history, a lot of times people were explaining stuff that was true, but we just didn't have the explanation for it. We didn't even have the science behind it. And so what do we call it? We call it like religion or hokey pokey, but hearing you talk about how trauma is passed through the genes, right? That has me thinking about maybe there is something to this, you know, when, when, you know, you're from Jamaica. So when these black communities talk about how our ancestors are talking to us, how they're passing us on this, this knowledge and this information, it sounds like they might be actually referencing that genome you're talking about.
1: Yeah, no. Look, you know, you, you only get one set of it, right? So it's it's like the bark of a tree. You're able to tell the age by the rings, right? Yeah. So that that's your genetic makeup. And so I think science is now caught up to what you know um, native folks knew internally. You know, body chemistry. Right. It just wasn't the way to explain it. And so I think you know, with the uh, mapping of the human genome, we're now in this you know um, innovative, revolutionary area where your genes kind of tell your story, you know? So, you know, with this PTSD thing, we actually have genes that are dysregulated and affected by you going through that trauma. So just imagine going through trauma after trauma, after trauma, there are genes in your body that then gets dysregulated and not functioning the way that they should in a normal person. And so, you know, you could tell that, I remember my explanation of that is my grandma, you know, she would be on these blood pressure medication, right? Like mom. mom. Any, anytime they change this, she's like, it's different. You know, something, yeah, something's not right. Like grandma has the same medication. Well, it's not because she knew the difference because of her body chemistry and been taking the medication so long when you, so that's why a big issue, they try not to switch individuals from medication to medication because you don't know what that cohort in clinical trial, the individual that was in it, we all know that uh, minorities only five percent is ninety five percent European white males that are in the drug trials. So most of these drug products are not effective in our minority communities. And so, you know, I remember when I started working for the FDA, I was like, "Oh, grandma was onto something," <laughs> because because they wouldn't tell you that it was a generic versus a brand name drug, two different components, two different composition. You know, and as I started working in the government, working for FDA, I started learning and understanding the chemistries were different. I was like, man, grandma, you know, she passed away, but she always would tell, be able to tell if the medication wasn't working because again, her body's, you know, genetic profile was not adapted to that, to that brand.
0: Yeah, no, you know, it's funny because people are always trying to discredit the intelligence of black people, you know, because not everybody goes to college and all this kind of stuff, get all those degrees. But like our black elders been telling us for years, you know, just like you said, oh, they changed something in medication, or you know, my my knees are aching, there's a storm coming. You're like
1: what?
0: You know, true. <laughs> no, I started
1: realizing that. I can tell now, right? <laughs> like. I'm like, yo, you know.
0: yo. <laughs> but it, it's you know, it makes me sad too, because when I was younger, I just didn't take it serious. You know, they're dropping all this knowledge, like, oh, you don't need any medicine, just drink some ginger ale or take some. <laughs> The
1: lemon, the, the lemon and ginger. The lemon and ginger.
0: ginger garlic, the garlic. The right? and all this stuff. We just been, but, and and you know, we this stuff has been passed down. So one thing I've kind of come to learn too is around what is education, you know? And education is really how one culture passes on its knowledge so that it can ensure the survival of that culture and of that nation. Like this is how we do. These are our practices. And one of the things I've come to realize is, you know, we as black people don't do the best job of passing on this information of how black people have survived economic depression, you know, psychological depression for 400 years. And it goes back to what you said. People are giving us magic medication and all this kind of stuff, but they're not even on the same operating system as black people. So we need to really just start to kind of look internally and make decisions that are best for us by experts like yourself, you know, that have our best interest at heart and understand that we are operating on a little bit of a different genetic system.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, you know, there's about um, I think an article just came out that they discovered like three million variants that's different, and it. it's always been there. They just didn't care, you know. And so, you know, um, to your point, a lot of the, the the history and the education needs to come from our community and how we need to approach things. We can't now just keep dependent on you know the mass because again, um, we're not on the same operating system. Our body makes up are a little bit different. And so to your point, you know, my mom used to tell me to just drink some garlic tea and I would be like, that stuff is, smells terrible. <laughs> but, you know, think about it. I mean, she's like 67, 68, you know, robust, you know, still, you know, do all her things by herself. And you got to yeah. you start thinking like, Yo, so how did we get through before all of this, you know, modern technology, it was all bush tea, you know, we're talking about Circe tea, you know, I see them, they have them in, in tea bags now, but I remember my grandma washing them off the fence off the backyard. And so some of the herbal alternative medication is some of the things that I've even started practicing since I got off medication as well. I went back, like you said, I went back to what I used to see my
0: grandmother do, yeah. you know, peeling the orange peel tea. Like,
1: you don't need a tea bag, you just peel an orange and drop the, the, the skin in, in the water. Yeah.
0: And now it's sad because you see, black people, we got so many medication and pills and all this other stuff.
1: You got a Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday bottles. Yeah. And it's like,
0: damn, man. And so, one thing I want to ask you too, you know, around, we know that PTSD is, is transferred in the genes, right? It's like you're going you're gonna to tell our audience. But on the flip side of this, I heard, I follow Huey Newton, right? <laughs> and Huey was going in on this guy's neck one day and he was like, black people have been the most economically depressed, et cetera, but we have it survival within our genes. You know, we have been made to survive because we survive, we survive uh, the Atlantic slave trade. We survived slavery, you know, Jim Crow. So we're genetic. We have genetic, not superiority, but we have genetics within us that is, are strong. You know, we're strong people to be able to survive all that. And I want to ask you in, on the flip side of that. Is that true in terms of that kind of stuff getting passed along?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like being in a gym. Yeah, <laughs> we've been in the gym a long time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the dungy gym, cheap.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So now nah, if you want to look at it like that, just think about, you know, all of the, you know, the impacts of, you know, of our culture and you know, where it started from. I mean, just to survive that ship. Yep. I mean, the strongest made it off. I mean, if you studied how we were shipped over here, yep. I would have probably been out. Yeah,
0: and I don't even forget the islands too. Were the, all out there the, the islands food. and the sugar yeah,
1: cane no. and I mean, sugarcane. So, so yeah. To your point, because of the you know the the resilience we had to develop. In order to adapt to these certain environments, that has also made us strong. If you follow you know, evolution, it's the same thing, right? You had amphibian uh, um, reptiles that made it to land, grew legs. So if you want to think about it that way, we've just been a resilience group in order to make it 400 years just right. through the oppression. And so on the economic side, we are normally not too affected by other than when you start talking about losing the jobs because we've just known how to hustle. We just know how to, black people ain't scared of being broke. We ain't broke. <laughs> <laughs> we've been broke for years. <laughs> we've already been at the bottom. Right? <laughs> we, we've never been at the top. Yeah. So you know, it's only up for us. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something in the in the black communities. We just level of access is where we struggle. With. Yeah. Cause we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. You know, I, it took me 30 months to raise $2 million. I mean, look, you want to talk about trim down, you know, my kids had to understand we couldn't do all of the exciting things no more. Uh, we normally figure it out because we're just resilient and, and we get, we get it done. Um, and so that, that's the piece that you can't, you can't teach that in a book. <laughs> yep. Those are those are the the aspects that you know on the flip side of going through this that, that really means the strong survive. Baby. So the folks that you see here, the answers that you've seen kind of come through here, uh, ancestor-wise, is the folks the strongest that was able to live through those oppressions yep. and make it out.
0: Yeah. And that probably explains why some men are athletes are so physically strong, can run and jump and all that stuff. Oh. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's years of in the gym. I mean, yeah. you know, the labor work that was done 400 years ago is what you see in some of these athletes that are doing these phenomenal things because
0: they had that pipeline. Yeah,
1: yeah they yeah. didn't just yeah, they weren't born with that. Yeah, that, that Transfer
0: transferred <laughs> to them. So just so we're clear for our audience, let them know, define what you mean when hacking racism and PTSD in the black community. What does that mean when you say that to people?
1: So look, you know, five months ago, MIT reached out to me. I really think, you know, what we need to do as a community is really start pinpointing these socioeconomic, you know, injustice areas through the Black community, starting with ourselves, right? Um, To your point, we just mentioned, um, we don't operate, we're not on the same operating system and we need to stop thinking that we are, and we really are going to need to kind of scrap you know the the model that's kind of been given to us and really come together as a community and build our own system because that's the, the only way we're going to be able to change this generational going forward right we know what's been here we need to study that understand where those gaps are and start changing these different aspects in order to change that going forward because again The only way to do that is is to fix the problem here and then have it carry over that. Those changes carry over where, you know, the the next generations to come are able to adapt um, with those changes. I can't honestly
0: take even credit for the operating system thing. I learned that from Dr. Amos Wilson. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, I know. black psychologist. I mean, he was like the stuff he said would have, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've been reading later, black people classified as hotep. Right? A lot of black people classify it as hotep. White people classify it as just bullshit history, you know? But then you actually like, I'm a very educated person. Like I say I got my master's, a, a undergrad history entrepreneur. I've come to the same conclusions about a lot of things that these so-called hoteps and all this stuff have come up with.
1: Well, again, that just goes to, we're talking about medication versus alternative. Med- yeah. yeah, these are things that's been kind of brainwashed to think is bad. Right. So we've gone from where Herbal Remedy have carried us through for 400 years to now that my kids thinking that you can just pop an Advil and pop, you know, a, a pill and, and it's just magic. Yeah. And that's yeah. just marketing. That's marketing. That's by design. Marketing by design. And it's given us this, this idea that things that have gotten us to where we are are no longer good. Right. And, and that's what we mean by hack races. racism. We need to get back to some of those fundamental things that have been going through generation to generation, you know, from the herbal tea to, you know, to changing the way the new generation is being, you know, fed information. This, this information to think that you whole know, tap, you know, folks, that, that demarcation on that kind of makes you think that I don't want to be part of
0: that. Because right. it, it labels but, it bad. So you don't even want to pick it up. You don't want to read the book. And you realize that like, it's like the system working itself out, you know? There's some people yeah. they don't want you to read about. They don't you know? want you to read about something. Yeah, so then you got black people <laughs> that discredit it and you got white people that discredit it.
1: Look, you know, Dr. Sebi cured HIV. Yeah. It's in judicial documents. He went against the government and he won every case. He was able to show the scientific data. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They don't want you to. Get they don't get it. want you to read that stuff, and it's just like. It. And I've kind of even as I've gotten older, and you're a research guy, so you understand this, right? For people to do research, right, it costs a lot of money because they're in the books, they're doing the time, right? You got to ask yourself what kind of research do these institutions want to fund? They're not going to want to fund the controversial research of the guys, like you said, the Dr. Sebby's and the Amos Wilsons. You know, the yeah. falsification of black consciousness, and you know all this kind of stuff, uh, the Claude Andersons of the world. But they're like, you know. we'll we'll do these Harvard PhDs and et cetera.
1: Yeah, the institutional, yeah. I mean, you know, what what starts to happen and they start doing the classification, you know, even within our community, you know, you you start, you know, seeing, you know, who they fund and they're kind of on the line, you know, they won't go too far with, you know, some of the radical thoughts and ideas that, you know, individuals. So to your point, um, I'll highlight the fact that, you know, um, African-Americans are the least, favorable to get these big R01 research NIH grants because of the, you know their minorities and the ideas of what we're talking about here. When they present that as a, a study, it doesn't get funded. Right. right? You, you get the little whitewashed studies that gets the, the two, $3 million, but it's not doing anything for the community. So that's another thing I did with this hacking racism in healthcare. I highlighted, you know, the area around, you know, lack of access to our, even our kids that's coming out with PhDs. A lot of them have not even done clinical trials because the institution that funds these stuff, they've been a, a, a lack of, of funding, even on research yeah. that, that with our community. So there's a lot of hacking that needs to be done in multiple areas. And so, you know, if you get a chance to check out that hacking racism in healthcare that I did for MIT, I'll send you the link where we really touched on some of the key areas. Why are um, brown and Hispanic babies uh, more likely to survive? Um, when they're born, if they're treated by black and brown nurse and doctors. Can you share some little insight on that real quick? I mean, again, I think it's just, you know, the pipeline, 95% of the doctors in America are white males and white females. (laughs) There's a lack of diversity in all of the areas throughout healthcare. That, you know, that's why, you know, we get diagnosed later by the time we find out stuff about us, we're we're already like stage three, stage four. The access to care, you know, these are all things that you know we're talking about hacking racism, not just in PTSD, mental health, but the whole entire healthcare system. That's where you see this big disparity. When the COVID hit, just kind of blew everything out of proportion because who was dropping like flies? Yeah, black people. Well, <laughs> and that comes to food desert. That comes to lack of fruits lack of access to, to health care. You know, again, these are all things that we need to go back as a community and really highlight because it's a domino effect yeah. from down from the research down to the fact that, you know, uh, you know you being in New York, I mean, the fruits that you see in the Bronx, nobody wants yeah, to Yeah, nobody eat. wants
0: That's- that bodega fruit, that banana. That- nobody wants that bodega right. fruit, right?
1: I mean, I here live in Rockville, Maryland. There's like three Whole Foods Within a ten mile radius, fruit.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, man. I'll tell you because like I live in, I actually live in Newark, New Jersey, and I, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 telling <laughs> myself, y'all, there's a Whole Foods downstairs, <laughs> in my apartment building. I go downstairs, got my little Whole Foods, got a little curated wine store. But when I was working at Saint Benedict's, I lived right downtown at the high school, and we all we had was like this Shoprite, right in Newark, and Newark's got like. Freaking 240,000 people, right? We don't got that many grocery stores, got a lot of bodegas, but you can just see the skin of some people out here, just the way they look. And this is like, damn, man, you know? No, I
1: mean, look, it's, you know, that's what we mean by, I mean, this is, has to be an overhaul. Yeah, so when we say operating system, it, it, we need to start hacking through these things because the food that we eat, all of that creates, you know, where you are from a mental and physical. We mostly focused on the physical, but the mental piece is that yeah, all that gut biome, the foods you eat, you know that type of eat the, the eating in the Bronx that I've seen these young kids doing. I mean, I'm hearing that kids that are like five, six year old already have cavities. Like how 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 does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it happens because you're drinking the soda pops, right? You know the McDonald's dollar specials, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff.
0: I'll tell you, I all uh. That. I read a book called uh, Why We Get Fat. I forgot the doctor who said it, right? But one of the things he talks about is a lot of the diets of Native people in, in America, the so Native Americans, et cetera, a lot of this cataracts and all this kind of stuff, they didn't have before. You know, a lot of it was coming from the food, you know, and the stuff that the Europeans were pushing on on Native people, right? It just didn't go with them. So they they reacted different. You know, when they're eating white bread and all this other stuff. Right. It just had adverse effects on them. So the stuff you're talking about is true, you know, but it's just like you need a combination, I think, of like the scientists like yourself who also have historical uh, a historical understanding of the ethnic group, you know, to basically apply that historical perspective with the scientific perspective and essentially hack the system.
1: That, that's that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a village. And and like I said, Whole Foods sells organic products. What did Native Americans use to do off the land? Off the land. Corn, you know, <laughs> less less processed. Right. So it didn't go through some big factory to make it to the table. It was right out the backyard. Right. The the, the greens, the collard greens. You know, we have Callaloo in Jamaica. You know, these were things that you the, the animals. They didn't have all that processed stuff. You killed the goat right there, the chicken right there. So it's the process yeah. and a lot of these things that have now affected our genetic profile because we weren't born off of that. Yeah. Our bodies weren't made off of that.
0: I'll tell you, I went to, uh, so I'm not, I'm a pescatarian now, I only eat seafood, I don't eat meat. Yeah. Um, when I first mm-hmm. moved to Newark, everybody was like, it just found weird to me, people didn't eat pork here. You know, I ordered yeah. pork at a, at a diner and they were like, you want slab? I was like, Slab? What's slab? You know, I was like, no, nah, I don't want slab. <laughs> After a while, it kind of wore on me and I just kind of stopped when I gave up eating um red meat and pork and chicken. Yeah. Then I stopped, you know, eating all that stuff. But then I read something and there's some scientific argument around pork and why it does what it does, you know, in some mm-hmm. communities. I forgot the author's name, but there's some scientific stuff with that, you know, that there's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, I think, you know, it all comes down
1: to processing of these foods, yep. whether it's corn, you know, again, that's why I have orga- organic, mom's organic. Now you have, you know, the problem with that is we don't have the economic means to afford right. it. So again, another lack of access. So you're telling me you have the chicken here that has not been, you know, all of the, the hormones has been put in it. You could tell yeah, too. You could tell um, if you go to a Whole Food buy a chicken and buy one in, in the hood, I mean, it's yellow. Yeah. So that's Yeah, right? So you can see how yellow that chicken is. You see how, you know, uh, clear. So you can tell. And that's the same thing you think about your skin. Think about putting all that hormones and stuff in your body. That's why your skin looks like that. So, you know, again, now they've created these Whole Foods, like you said, but now we can't afford to go and buy a, a, a growth yeah. yolk. And so 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 now you're still having that that lack of access. You're still going to buy the bodega fruits because you can't afford the organic fruits <laughs> at, at, at,
0: um, at Whole Foods. When I um I, we call a whole paycheck too. I always joke with the cashier. <laughs> I feel like below $50. You know, I go get some peanut butter. <laughs> get some peanut butter and keep it moving. <laughs> you know, you it, right? Damn, that roasted peanut butter is so good. <laughs> <laughs> what I was gonna say is the first time I visited Africa right? We ate the same meal every day, right? You know, like I'm, I'm spoiled, right? I was, I was like 18. I went to, um, I went to Kenya, right? Kenya. Yeah. Then the next year I went to Uganda, right? So I go to Africa and I'm like, oh man, what we got for, uh, what we got for breakfast? White rice, plantains, beans. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> Lunch, white rice, plantains, beans. Damn, man, You know, the dinner, white rice, plantains, beans. And it just became this mundane just like oh my gosh this is not eating. but then you realize yeah. like man that's how we survive you got these elders out here eating you know because we th- we would eat meat but it wasn't like every meal
1: oh, you no. know yeah yeah. You, yeah you you have a little feast one day you caught something yeah. big but the rest of the time yeah that, that was like a, a a sunday a celebration a
0: celebration <laughs> and, you know you read the, about the elders you know like they, it was like a sacred thing, you know, like they yeah, get yeah, the fan yeah. around, come take the meat yeah, out. They
1: get married or something when you popped out the meat. Right.
0: but it's just like, <laughs> and then you, you know, it was so foreign to me though, you know? And it wasn't yeah. how I came across scholars like Amos Wilson that talked about that sense of like, we don't even recognize our own culture anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, nah, the marketing here has been, it's crazy. Yeah, the marketing has made you
0: completely disregard how we got yeah. here. We and that's why I think yeah. education is so important. Of just getting us getting recentered for ourselves, not like in a sense of like excluding other people and all this kind of stuff. But just like we are, lo- like we need to find who we are as a people, as a nation,
1: because we, we because we
0: had a system, yeah, and
1: that's how we made it through. That's how we made it through been. those tough times. You're talking about. <laughs> so
0: how do we, in your opinion, right? How do we? So we're in a, we're at your crossroad right now with the pandemic, right? Black people already don't trust vaccines, you know? And again, there's reasons why. I used to think the syphilis stuff was crazy. They used to get get, black people syphilis and syphilis. I'm like, man, grandma, what are you talking about? Now I'm here, YouTube videos like, what? (laughs) Then looking at the text, then looking at the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The footnotes. And Mm -hmm. that's how I am at. So don't come at guys like me and you. We read the footnotes. So we track the stuff down. But this fact of like, man, the federal government really tested on black people, you know, and like with government money and didn't 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 tell them, them, you know, Aaron Henrietta locks took her stuff and just Henrietta. Yeah. Henrietta stuff. And then you go back to, um, I forgot the guy, the modern father of, uh, gynecology. You know, he came up with Mm -hmm. all the tools and instruments and everything. This man tested that stuff out on black slaves against their Mm will. You know, so we have this deep, dark, nasty history within the American medicine, you know, of them. And we saw what the Germans did to the Jews. You know, they tested all that stuff on them. Right. And even though they thought they were, I mean, they thought they were inferior. What do you think they did to black people in this country with no one watching? You know, slave master back there by himself, got a whole handful of black people.
1: Yep, yep, just doing whatever they want. Doing whatever they
0: want, testing whatever they want, running whatever they want, you know? And so now we're able to benefit, I don't know if we're able to, but society is able to benefit from these tests in the scientific community on black and brown people. And now this is why I bring it up because you start to understand that there really is some truth around why black black people in particular are hesitant of uh, medicine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's you know, it's that historical understanding, you know? Um, and like I said, I think for me being a foreigner, I didn't know any of this. So I was like, what? Yeah. You, know what talking <laughs> <about>? <laughs> you know, when you start learning, you're like, that's unethical. <laughs> nah, you know, folks here were treated as property. And so they got to do whatever they want. So it wasn't unethical because, you know, the laws allowed for a lot of those things. And so, you know, yeah, that's where we are right now. You know, so I I try to make sure, you know, I stay, you know, keep my community educated the best I can. Um, we did a clinical trial track with this Hacking Racism in Healthcare to kind of identify that level of trust that needs to happen. But, you know, um, these corporate America folks are going to have to, you know, they have to listen. Um uh, And I think right now is going to be a unique time to kind of see, you know, how this plays out with this vaccine. The biggest concerns I have is, you know, again, we there was not a big diverse group of minorities in those trials. They did a better job than before. But for me, that's just not good enough. You know, not in the 21st century. Um You've just, they neglected it for so long. And now you think because you had 10% out of 77,000 people of blacks in the trials, you think that that is better than what it was before. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to need you to do better than that. So, you know, for for me, um, you know, the biggest thing is I could do is try to educate my community and then, you know, uh, force some of these pharma companies to start truly, you know, going out and recruiting and building that trust because we didn't break it, you did. Mm. <laughs> and that's from NIH down. We didn't break the trust. You guys did. You know, because you know that was done under the public health service organization. PH PHS was the one that did that syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's where this this, this barrier between government and 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 the minority community is because you know again to your point I didn't know that I thought it was just some rogue dude that
0: was going out doing this this was the federal, federal government. government backed by the federal government black dollars <laughs> uh, black veterans couldn't even get the GI bill but we could get you know syphilis yeah. test
1: we, we get that test yeah. though we, right we weren't, so, getting,
0: we weren't tested we thought we were getting tested to get no, we were they tested. gave it to us and then wanted to watch the effects on us. A-
1: Watch the effects of it so you, you, you can see why we're yeah. here 2020 and you're talking about you got this test and you want everybody to take it. Because here's the thing. You already know the science on um, majority, which is the, t- the it's it's been majority white. So you know what the effect of that is. You now want to make this mandatory because you want to get more minorities involved in it because you really don't know how that's going to react in the minority communities were not truly represented in that tribe.
0: Let me ask you this, you think about science very differently than most people, right? So a lot, I think a lot of times too, you know, you get the PhDs and all this other stuff, we go to elite universities and, but you seem just talking to you and even when we first connected, right? We just saw each other all, you know, love all day. Do you think that plays in the fact that you went to like a Howard and this sense of like, or into 100%. You, you
1: know? Oh, 100%. You know, again, as I mentioned to you, I, I thought it was important. I got accepted to all of them, the Hopkins, the Harvard, but that was a decision of mine. You know, I was the GI, the voc rehab, because I got injured. So voc rehab was paying her anywhere I got into. Yeah. Them. And for me, that was important because I needed to learn that community. So, you know, I kind of call myself a hood scientist, you know what I mean? Because I'm able to, to speak the language on both sides because, yeah, I understand the, the, the communities that you're talking about and that's being left out. I used to be there coming here as a foreigner. That's where you start out from. Right. We don't just get here and get the Bel Air. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so I have that different perspective, but also I understand on the science side, but you know, I think, you know, what these academic HBCUs do, they really give you that, that sense of community. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's where, I mean, again, for hundreds of years, that's why Howard was created. It was created as a place where, you know, um the Hamptons, you know, the Tuskegee's, where the community could come together and like you said, bring the social scientists, bring the real scientists, the hard scientists, the the philosophers in our community to figure this shit out. Because that's what it's gonna take. It's gonna take all of those components to understand because not everybody's gonna understand all aspects of it because there's so much areas we gotta cover. But yeah, no, true, truly that was where I got my strong footing of understanding black culture, African-American culture. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely say that had a big impact coming as a, a, as a foreigner to this
0: country. What do you say to our listeners out there who may or may not agree with black people having separate institutions to educate themselves and look out for the best interests of their community?
1: Well, you know, again, I think, you know, we could look at the history and just see how that is, you know, that's why Howard is the number one producer of PhDs. It's not because kids didn't want to go to other schools, other schools didn't want them. (laughs) I've read plenty of stories where that kid that had inner city issues, with getting shot at, didn't get a 4.0. But if you understood where he lived, where he grew up, the fact that he even had a a GPA is, is astounding. And that's what HBCUs do. They look at the parameters that you were in, not what you know, You know. know, having a, a SAT score of 14, 1500 is. They started looking at your community engagement, your, your, your impact that you had in the community. What did you do? Because we understood we're not on the same operating system. And some kids didn't have the luxury of just getting up and going to school and not have to worry about if they're gonna get shot going to school You know, those things are important to understand when you look at a kid's transcript. But, you know, some of the academic institutions, they aren't looking at that. They're not looking at where some of these kids are coming from. I mean, I could never look at a kid coming from Compton with a 3.5 the same way I look at even my daughters coming from, you know, Washington, D.C., you know, Rockville area where they've been privileged I'm accepting that kid with the three point five
0: because I knew what he had to go through to get there. But Yusuf, that's racist. Why do we desegregate? We we got trying to segregate back. You know, if one standard. Yeah. Yusuf is one standard.
1: What's the, I mean, again, you know, if you look over, and and that's what the problem is. Is they've always moved the goalposts. You know, we you know, as soon as we've you know tried to adapt to that as a certain standard that they have created, so it, it's it's kind of you know it's being. Hippocratic in, in a way, because it's like, well, you know, you've if you've ever taken the MCAT, they're asking you about, you know, pianos and all these things. I don't see any hood questions. When I took the MCAT, I ain't see any hood questions. Right. Like, you know, how, how long does it take for you to get X, Y, Z to this point? So there's no relationship there. It's like, here's what our standards is. Is either you accept it and try to get in here and fit in here. And that's what some of these kids, they'll get into those college and they'll leave after a year because there's no, there's no community, for them. you know, because again, this is the bar. And so what, you know, it's not that we can't uh, perform in those schools, but it, we're, we're community oriented type of people. So, 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 you know, again, if, if, if white America needs to understand that and, see that that's how we have been thriving for all these years. We don't operate in single fingers, we, have, we operate as a fist. I
0: definitely think, and again, this comes from, again, going back to Amos Wilson, right? As a culture, as a nation within a nation, right? We have to have professionals that are studying, you know, our genetics, our science, what we need from a medical perspective, what we need from an education perspective, you know, from a social and economic, we need black economists, we need all that kind of stuff. And I don't think that that is racist. I just think that's in a sense of really just looking out for the survival of a people, because if we don't have that, we can become extinct. Again,
1: I mean, it's to the point and And, you know, it we always, you hear that a lot, but it's like, well, we didn't exclude ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They keep making it like we are going off to create some secret society. We've been like this. We've always been a community-driven, you know, community, and that's how we've been able to thrive. Um, But you need to have. I mean, again, I'm I was just tired of being the only black, you know, GS14 level scientist in a room full of white men and white females. You know, when we're making decisions on medication. And I'm looking around like, well, you know, is anybody thinking about, so, you know, part of my, you know, what I achieved when I was at FDA, you know, I would see some of these medication not being, it wasn't up to par. And I would look and see that it's going to the VA. I'm like, oh, you're recalling all of that. (laughs)
0: If you don't have somebody like you there, you know? then this stuff just gets forced on us and down our throat. And so again, I think you're right. We need to hack the whole system, really look at it and say, okay, who's making the decision for who based on what, based on what understanding, you know, because like for me, I don't know a lot about Jewish culture. I'm still understanding, you know, but I don't think they would have me come in and say, Hey, this is how you're going to distribute your money. This is how you're going to medicate your children. This is how you're going to, they would look at me like, what are you? Cra-? like? I, like I have a penis on my forehead. Like,
1: who would that be? And I, so, so, I mean, again, you know, I, I just see how it's being looked at like we're trying to create some different swim lane. It's like that's how survival is. If you don't have uh, individuals at the table with your best interests, then you, you're going to be left out. And that's kind of what you've been seeing over the last, you know, 40, 50 years. We've been kind of been left out of these things because nobody considered what that community needs because we haven't had the decision makers at the table when all these things
0: are getting um, decided. Man, I got to I gotta get Yusuf back on the show, man, because I want to be respectful of his time, y'all. He's got to head to a Techstars event, you know, to mentor some of these young entrepreneurs that are going to raise more money than he has. And he's been in the fight longer, got the background and the pedigree, but this is the kind of predicament we, we find ourselves in. And just to recap too for y'all, listen, we're talking about some sensitive stuff here. Make no mistake. We are both patriots. You understand? I'm looking at my man. Y'all can't see him on camera. He's got the flags, the stars (laughs) and bars. It says stop soldier suicide as a hat. He's got the shirt, stop soldier suicide. So before people want to come on and talk about, oh, y'all racist, y'all don't care about this. Listen, we care about America. We care about our veterans and our soldiers. We also love our people. Right? And I think that's something (laughs) any culture should be able to understand. So before I let Yusuf leave, I want you to talk. I want you to have the closing remarks to our audience because we have white people listening. We have black people listening, you know, and some of them don't have the same cultural understanding that we do because we're in the literature. You know, we know we're naming doctors and 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 psychologists they probably never heard of. So I want you to, you know, just uh, say the final thoughts to them who are listening to what we're talking about and might think it's kind of controversial.
1: Yeah, no, look, man, uh, you know, like you said, I bleed red, white and blue. So, you know, that that's not a concern. I've served this country. So and I served it for all. I didn't serve it for just black people. I served it for every American that's here. Um, But yeah, no, I think I would leave a closing remark that, you know, take the time. I think, you know, what COVID has done is had people sit down. And you saw that movement with the George Floyd this year, where I think because the world was kind of at a standstill, you had a lot more people of you know um, other cultures started really understanding some of the things. I think COVID did some the terrible thing, but it also opened up a lot of people's eyes to start seeing that we're not crazy. Some of the things we're talking about got exposed, especially in healthcare. Um, you know, take a look at the MIT Hacking Racism in Healthcare Challenge. I mean, we did two full podcast seminar that where we had April Ryan, we had women that, you know, are talking about how they're not being considered, you know, when they say they have pain, they're not taking it serious as white women, their age in, in hospitals. These are real issues. We're talking about real issues. So there's no racism here, but we do understand from you and my point, Mike, um, we, we got to focus on our people because our people are the ones that are dying right now. I love all people here in America, but our people are dying right now at rapid rates. And so as a medic, I got to go to where the problem is. And the problem is in the African-American black community right now. And, you know, it's going to take a village. And so folks that are really interested in understanding why some of these things are, you know, take a look at the, the history. Take a look at what's even going on right now with COVID look at these trials that's being done and would you take a medication that only 10,000 people of African-American descent have been given in the trial compared to the, the, the 70,000 that, you know, the trial was ran on. Would you take that vaccine? Absolutely. I think these are, these are the things that we really want to look at and this is not a us versus them situation. It is a, we need to look at the fact that, you know, um, our kids are dying um, through violence. We're dying through the healthcare system. We die through education. And, you know, that's that's where we're spending our, our time and energy. And so, you know, again, if we can't you know, um, help our people, I don't know what else
0: uh, we're left to do on this earth. Yusuf, man, I appreciate you coming on the platform, man. It shouldn't have taken me so long to get you on here. But I'll tell you, man, the stuff, we got to get you back on because you are someone I think uh, our, our listeners can learn a lot from you got the the undergrad, you know, Howard, you got the John Hopkins certification. So it's like, man, you know what you're talking about and you've been in this, you 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 do this for a living. You live and breathe this. And I appreciate you sharing this with our audience. You know, I know you got a busy day. You're a very sought after man and uh, I'm excited to, uh, to have you here. Uh, where can our listeners follow you? Where can they find you at?
1: So yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, Yusuf Enriquez and then um, uh, Twitter, same thing if you type my name in. Um so that's the two platforms that I operate on. Um and so you know if you guys want to reach out to me there but you know I I you know because I spend so much energy and time on that hacking racism and healthcare I was given the platform by MIT and I think we 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 could really start the conversation there and we were going to be following up with a lot of those tracks because we focused on seven tracks that looked at you know social injustice um, clinical trials, you know. So you know, even the LGBT community within the Black community. So you know, take a look there. Uh, a lot of good information where we were able to kind of harness that on YouTube videos to give you guys an understanding of where we could start hacking racism and and and, and particularly in healthcare. Awesome.
0: And for our listeners out there, do us a favor and subscribe and support this podcast by leaving us a five star review on iTunes. I'll give us five stars and leave a review on iTunes. Also for the show to anyone in your network who you feel identifies with the subject matter. You can also head over to confessionsofanativeson.com. Sign up for our newsletter. If you like this type of dialogue and are interested in booking me to speak at your organization, you can contact me through the website. Just click the set tab that says book me to speak, fill out the contact information and someone from my team will get back to you as soon as possible. Also head Also, order some dope coffee at www.realdopecoffee.com. We've got to start supporting our own business, y'all. It's black and veteran-owned and is the epitome of economic empowerment. Feel free to message me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at at mikeatweareironbound.com. Special shout-out to my co-producer, Mike Lloyd, and the team from the Gifted Sounds Network for everybody that's black until next time peace love and have a great rest of your week